this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast i'm zubeda hamid your host for today the world's first malaria vaccine is here the world health organization earlier this month endorsed rtss or mosquitix developed by british drug maker glaxo smith kline in partnership with the path malaria vaccine initiative the vaccine which acts against p falciparum believed to be the most deadly malaria parasite globally took nearly 30 years to make malaria is an ancient disease it has been around for centuries affecting populations around the world though many countries have successfully eliminated the disease which is caused by a parasite and transmitted through the bite of an infected mosquito it still continues to affect some countries in africa and asia In 2019 there were an estimated 229 million cases of malaria with 94% of the burden in the African region about 67% of the deaths were of children under the age of 5 India according to the WHO recorded a significant decrease in its malaria burden with cases declining from 20 million in 2000 to about 5.6 million in 2019 deaths have also come down but india still accounts for over 80% of all malaria cases in the southeast asia region it also bears the largest burden of plasmodium vivax in the world at 3.5 million cases a year a parasite for which a vaccine has not yet been found how will this new vaccine help combat malaria globally how effective is it and will other malaria control measures continue to be needed what took the world so long to find a vaccine for malaria To answer these questions and more, we have with us today Dr. Daniel Chandramohan, Professor of Public Health, London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Good evening, Dr. Chandramohan, and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me for this podcast, Subeda. Dr. The World Health Organization, in a historic move earlier this month, endorsed the world's first anti-malaria vaccine. Malaria is an old disease that has been around for centuries. yet it's only now that we have a vaccine for it and it took nearly 30 years to develop it could you explain to us why it has been so difficult to combat malaria a malaria is caused by a parasite it has a complex molecular structure and life cycle it can express up to 5000 proteins during its various life stages a system that can produce complex proteins that resembles those made by the parasite is required to develop a vaccine against malaria this technical complexity lack of adequate resources and lack of effective global cooperation are the key reasons for this long delay in developing an effective antimalarial vaccine doctor the vaccine that has now been endorsed rtss omosquirix works against the p falciparum parasite which is believed to be the most deadly malaria parasite globally could you take us through how the vaccine works against the parasite rtss vaccine is an antisporozoite vaccine you might know that malaria has several stages is sporozoite then there is blood stages we call merozoite and then gametocytes which gets infected to the mosquitoes this rtss vaccine is against anti sporozoite this means it will trigger the human immune system to defend against the first stages the pre 
blood stages when malaria parasite enters the human host's bloodstream through a mosquito bite and prevent the parasite infecting the liver cells. So this is, we call it pre-erythrocytic vaccine, which prevents the parasite developing in the liver cells and thereby reduces the uh, infection developing further. Doctor, you told us that the technical complexity as well as like a lack of resources led to the development of the vaccine only now, even though malaria has been stalking many countries for hundreds of years now. Could you talk to us a little bit about this? Malaria is transmitted through the bite of an infected female Anopheles mosquito. So is it only there in areas where mosquitoes prevail? Yes, it it has to be the specific species of the mosquito. Uh, Anopheles mosquito is the one of the, the efficient vector. And the parasite should be there and the host. So we need to have the condition where you have abundance of the mosquito vectors and the parasite. As you know, there are five different species of the parasites. We have the falciparum, vivax, ovale, malaria, and nolasi. In India, we have both vivax and falciparum. So we, to have the infection to spread, we need the appropriate vectors in abundance. But many countries have successfully eliminated malaria through surveillance measures, through hygiene and other interventions, right? Why is it still so difficult in some parts of the world? It is true that malaria was eliminated successfully in many countries, but only three countries from Africa, namely Mauritius, Morocco, and Algeria, has been certified malaria-free until 2020. The malaria vector in Africa is very efficient and the transmission intensity in sub-Saharan Africa is very intense. In these very high endemic situations, the existing tools like insecticide-treated nets, indoor residual spraying, larviciding, chemoprevention, and effective case management are inadequate to eliminate malaria. The malaria vaccine, in combination with other existing tools, will have an important role in the elimination of malaria in Africa and globally. Speaking about that, doctor, could you talk to us a little bit about how effective this vaccine will be in preventing diseases and deaths? And will other interventions against malaria continue to be needed? A multi-country phase three trial done in seven countries in Africa, namely Kenya, Tanzania, Malawi, Mozambique, Gabon, Ghana, Burkina Faso, showed that four doses of RTSS vaccine given to 5 to 11 months old children can reduce the incidence of uncomplicated malaria by 56% over a 12-month period and or 36% over a 48-month period. And it also reduced severe disease by 32%. However, The efficacy of the vaccine during the first six months post-vaccination period was close to 70%, but it waned off after six months. We have, my colleagues from Mali and Burkina Faso, have shown now in a study conducted in Mali and Burkina Faso that in areas with high seasonal malaria transmission, 
the combination of this vaccine given one month before the beginning of the transmission season and four cycles of malaria chemoprevention during the high transmission season, we can reduce the incidence of uncomplicated malaria by 60% and severe malaria hospital admissions and deaths by 70%. Another recent RTSS vaccine implementation study in Kenya, Malawi, and Ghana showed that rolling out this vaccine through routine EPI vaccine delivery system is feasible and can reduce severe malaria by 30%. As you pointed out, 70% of global malaria burden is concentrated in 11 countries, and 10 of them are in sub-Saharan Africa. They are Burkina Faso, Mali, Niger, Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon, Uganda, Tanzania, Mozambique, and DRC Congo. Scaling up of RTSS vaccine, in addition to the existing interventions such as insecticide-treated nets, chemoprevention, and vector control, will reduce the burden of uncomplicated and severe malaria substantially in sub-Saharan Africa. Using the WHO estimate of 229 million cases, which you quoted, cases per year, and 94% of that from Africa, we could expect to reduce 86 to 129 million cases of malaria and 47% of deaths due to malaria in Africa. That's a staggering number considering that most of the deaths are of children under the age of five, right? Correct. So, but as you pointed out, with the vaccine, we will also continue to need other malaria prevention measures. Definitely. As I said, the vaccine, you know, when I said the study, what we did, chemo prevention plus the vaccine, how it works is that the vaccine prevented the infection is getting established, but it's only probably 50% efficacious, which means 50% of the parasites escaping the vaccine. And then we give a chemo prevention, which is a anti-blood stages. It actually kills the blood stages. So it kills further those parasites which escape. And these two interventions, in addition to the insecticide-treated bed nets, are indoor residual spraying, which prevents in the beginning where somebody gets infected. So it is all cumulative, if you like. So if, say, the 50% of infections prevented by either IRS or ITN, and then 30% or 50% of the infections prevented from getting established in the liver, and then another 50% 60% is reduced by killing that escaping parasite, all together you can reduce the incidence of the burden of uncomplicated malaria and severe malaria by 80-90%. So this is huge, huge news in the fight against malaria in the world. Certainly it is. But as I said, to make clear, it is a combination of all the interventions. There's no single magic bullet. They all work together in a combination. Doctor, you spoke to us a little bit about the kind of parasites that are found in India. The WHO has said that India recorded a significant decrease in its malaria burden, with cases declining from 20 million in the year 2000 to about 5.6 million in 2019. Deaths have also decreased, but India still accounts for over 80% of all the malaria cases in Southeast Asia region. So will India benefit from the current vaccine or do we need a specific vaccine that works against Plasmodium vivax, uh, which is a parasite found in India? As you said, the predominant species of malaria in India was vivax until 1997. Since then, the proportion of malaria due to vivax was declining compared to falciparum. However, 
There is a big regional variation in the distribution of Vivax and falciparum malaria in India. And in most places, one can find both infections. The RTSS vaccine is not effective against Vivax malaria. There are some candidate vaccines against Vivax malaria under investigation, but the progress has been very slow. So the RTSS vaccine is not recommended for use in India at the moment as it may have very limited impact in the Indian context because of the presence of both Vivax and falciparum malaria in India. So do we have to continue with other malaria control measures in India until we wait for a vaccine? Yes, India at the moment has to depend on vector control, effective case management, and probably chemo prevention selected areas where there is high transmission and high endemicity, but they are very specific places, probably some places in Charkhand, Chhattisgarh, and Orissa, probably, but overall, India has to stick to the vector control, effective case management strategies. You said that even though up until 1997, it was Vivax, we're also now seeing cases of the other parasite as well. Why is this happening, doctor? I think probably the transmission intensity is increasing in areas where uh, remote parts where the interventions are not reaching the population could be. There was always a little bit of a divide between the northwest and the southeast. There's kind of a diagonal line. If you look at places like Chhattisgarh, Jharkhand, Orissa, they were traditionally high falciparum areas. And if you go towards Rajasthan, part of Gujarat, and southern Chennai, they're mostly Vivax malaria. And probably the control measures in the cities and where this Vivax was more common was probably getting access to more people. And probably we are having difficulties to reach remote areas where falciparum was high traditionally. I'm speculating. I do not know much about the Indian. I was involved in the evaluation of the program 10 years ago. I have no idea what's happening now, but I suspect that some parts where falciparum malaria is more common, probably the access to control measures is relatively lower than where Vivax malaria is being controlled. Just guessing, honestly. Dr. You spoke to us a little bit about how the vaccine was trialed in certain countries in Africa. Were there logistical challenges to administering the vaccine considering there are four doses to it? The malaria vaccine implementation study done in Kenya, Malawi and Ghana has vaccinated around 750,000 children through routine EPI vaccine delivery system. This pilot study has shown that administering the malaria vaccine through EPI did not affect the uptake of other vaccines such as pentavaccine, polio, and measles. The coverage of three priming doses given at 5, 6, 9, or 6, 7, and 9 months of age was very high in this study. However, the coverage of booster dose, the dose number 4, given at 18 or 20 months of age, was low. I think a campaign approach 
given at a specified time of the year would improve the coverage of booster dose rather than giving it through routine EPI waiting for the child to be brought at the age of 18 months or 24 months. Because typically, once a child completes the measles dose at nine months, the contact with the health system is very, very rare. That's why the booster dose given at 18 months or 24 months was very low. Certainly, in highly seasonal transmission settings, this I call hybrid approach, basically giving the priming doses through EPI when the child is six, seven, nine months or five, six, nine months of age. And then the, the fourth dose should be given at a specific time, like in high transmission setting areas, we should give the booster dose a month before the transmission starts. So that is campaign approach for the booster dose and routine EPI approach for the priming doses. So that's a hybrid approach. We'll probably overcome this logistical problem of delivering four doses of the vaccine. Is the, are the booster dose very significant and important? It is important because what we have noted in the phase three trial was the three doses had an efficacy of only Uh, 26% after four years. But if the child was given the fourth dose, it went up to nearly 36%. And we also noted in our seasonal vaccination trial, when we gave the booster dose four, in fact, we gave a booster dose two, dose number five as well. So each year, once we give the booster dose one month before the transmission starts, reduced nearly 70% of the clinical cases and severe disease. So our study done in Mali and Burkina Faso clearly shows there is a need for the fourth dose, even maybe a fifth dose in very high transmission settings where it is very seasonal. Doctor, going back to something you spoke to us about earlier, why it took so long for a malaria vaccine to be created? One of the things you mentioned was a lack of resources and a lack of global cooperation. Do you think that it's because malaria was not considered a disease that was important enough to develop a vaccine for it? I think it's partly to do with where is malaria and who is affected. If malaria is a poor man's disease in general, and most of the burden is in poor countries where those countries cannot afford to do research or even to afford to buy the vaccines when it is ready. So there was some kind of global lack of enthusiasm in investing in uh, malaria vaccine research compared to what we see now for the COVID-19 vaccine development. So once the disease is affecting the high-income countries where the resource is available, technical know-how is available, international pharma has Western interest in making profit, probably. So there is this enthusiasm for diseases which affects both North and the South. So when there is a disease which is affecting just in poor parts of the world, there is relatively less enthusiasm. That could also play a bit of part in it. That's why I said the lack of international enthusiasm. Like you pointed out, Doctor, within a year, a year and a half of, uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic, we already have multiple vaccines to combat uh, the virus. Something the WHO head spoke about also was maintaining equity of access to healthcare advances, such as vaccines, which remain a crucial part of the fight against the disease. With the COVID-19 vaccine, we have also seen that many poor countries continue to face massive shortfalls. 
and funding is also needed. Could you talk to us about the malaria vaccine with respect to these issues? Yes, availability of the vaccine and resources to deliver are huge issues. All high malaria burden countries in Africa cannot afford to pay for the vaccine. They need assistance from international donors such as the Gavi, the Global Fund, to implement the malaria vaccine program. The GSK has made a commitment to supply 15 million doses per year, but we probably need over 200 million doses per year. I understand that GSK is transferring the technology to Bharat in India, and soon the production will be increased. Another malaria vaccine called R21 has shown very good efficacy in Burkina Faso in a phase 2 trial, and a phase 3 trial is currently ongoing in Burkina Faso, Mali, Kenya, and Tanzania. This vaccine is developed by Oxford University and is produced by Serum Institute in India. The prospect of availability of malaria vaccine in large quantities is looking good, but the commitment from the international community to support buying, distributing, and delivering the vaccine in countries where it is needed is yet to be confirmed. This is again the, I call it, lack of international cooperation and enthusiasm in eliminating this disease. Even today, it's getting better, but it can be even better. And we can only hope for better malaria control in the near future if the international community has a political will, commitment to support the poor countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Last question, doctor, before we sign off. Now that we have a malaria vaccine, what is the next disease that needs tackling? <laughs> well, emerging diseases are, we one cannot predict. At the moment, we are really struggling with COVID-19. We have a vaccine that is uh, very good news, and we probably will be tackling it in maybe in two, three years' time. The other one is probably dengue comes to my mind, but there is a vaccine in development for that. But I think dengue is the one I would say next one in my priority would be dengue. Okay. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Doctor. You are very welcome. Thank you very much. I hope it was helpful. Yes, thank you, Doctor. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.